So the scripture verse for this morning comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. On the screen is our memory verse for this morning. I invite you to stand with me and say that together. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Hebrews 9, 14 through 15. And now let's say our church-wide prayer together. Father, unleash the power of the Holy Spirit to bring spiritual breakthrough in my life, in our church family, and in our community. Fill us with humility, unity, and passion. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. May the name of Jesus be held in high honor in all that we say and do. Amen. Gracious God, I just give you this time. And Lord, we are here only to honor and to magnify your name. So Lord, I just humble myself before you and I ask that you would empty me of myself and that you would fill me with your spirit. And Lord, I pray that that you would just come, and Lord, that you would even get me out of the way so that whatever you want to say to your beloved children that are in this room this morning would not be in any way interfered, Lord, but that you would speak directly to our hearts because you are the lover of our souls. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, I need to take a drink first, sorry. As you may already know, our family has been living and serving in India, our second home, since May of 2014. And as I stand here before you, I just want to say with hearts filled with humility and overwhelming gratitude, thank you for your unwavering love and support of our family over the last five years. Since July 2018, we've been in Marysville, seeking God's direction for what's next for our family. And we're confident that God not only sent us to India for a season, he has now called us home for this next season. And with Ohio as our home base for the foreseeable future, we believe that God wants us to come alongside his church in America to see us all more fully embrace our role in God's mission in the world. Yet what God has been impressing on my heart is that before each of us can fully embrace and live into the role that God has for us in his kingdom, we need to understand our place in it. We need to understand our place in the kingdom of God to be reminded of who we are 
and whose we are so that we can with great confidence and true freedom live out our destiny as his precious and beloved children and as disciple making disciples of Jesus Christ. The length that God will go to speak our true identity to us and to reveal the depth of his unfathomable love for us, his beloved children, was never more clear to me than when God took our family to Siligori, India. Of all the places in the world he could have called us, in a country of more than 1.3 billion people, God sent us to a small town of 1.5 million people. That's a small town in India. And he called us to live next door to and fall in love with five young people who desperately needed to hear God say, I see you and I love you. I have heard your cries for mercy. I have seen you in your suffering. You are mine and I am yours. I love you. That's the kind of God we have. He spared no expense to redeem us and to make us his own. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus testify to God's love and his determination not to leave us alone and alienated from himself. Our scripture verse for today proclaims God's purpose, his destiny and longing for each of us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let me say that again. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Jesus endured the cross. He scorned the shame to give you freedom. And when you accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord, his sacrificial death on the cross and resurrection from the grave, redeem your life. It cancels your debt of sin. It makes you a new creation. It brings you into the family of God as co-heirs with Jesus to all the glory of the kingdom of God. It sets you free to be who God called you and created you to be. That's true freedom. The freedom to be in a personal and intimate relationship with the God of the universe. To know him and to be deeply known and utterly cherished by him. The freedom to believe that you are something. That you're valuable, that you're good enough, that you're treasured simply because you're his. The freedom to experience the depths of his love, his grace, his mercy. The freedom to be transformed by his truth. To experience the heights of his joy and to rest in his unfailing hope. The freedom to go all in with him on his mission. When we experience the true freedom in Jesus, it changes everything. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see and engage the world around us. Our freedom is what Jesus died to secure for us. But it's what Satan, the enemy of our souls, delights to steal from us. That's why Paul says it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Our ability to remain free is a battle. It's a battle against Satan and it's even against the ways of the world against anything that tries to hold you in bondage to the lie that your identity, your value, your worth have, are, can be found in anything apart from God as his 
precious and beloved child, to the lie that you'll never be enough, to the lie that your performance and productivity somehow determine your worth and value. In order to walk in freedom that God has intended for us, the freedom that Jesus ensured for us, we must stand firm against the lies of the enemy and even against the lies of our own culture. We must not allow ourselves to be burdened again by any yoke of slavery. Some of us have never known true freedom because of our enemy who is the father of lies, whose mission it is to devour us and to steal, kill, and destroy us in the freedom which God has given us. Some of us have experienced freedom at different times in our lives, but we have not stood firm in it. And thus we have allowed ourselves to be burdened again and again by a yoke of slavery. Slavery to the lies of the enemy and any and to the lies of the world. Today I want to tell you two stories. The first is uh, a story of the five young people who need to experience true freedom in Jesus. And another is a story of someone who has tasted freedom but didn't stand firm in it and thus allowed themselves to be burdened again and again by a yoke of slavery. My hope is twofold. First, that you'll be able to experience true freedom in Jesus, either for the first time or yet again, but hopefully for the last time. And second, that you'll join me in praying for the freedom of our precious children in India. I'd like you to meet our five Indian children. They're not ours legally, but if they could be, they would be. I say children because they're my babies, but the youngest is 18 and the oldest is 23. Their names are Gogo, that's Gogo, Mamong, Chan Chan, Chingmi, and Angamla. We met them on our first trip to India. They lived in a group home in the neighborhood that we would later move into. But by the providence of God, we not only settled into the same neighborhood as they, but we attended the same small church that they worshiped in. And each of them had made decisions to accept Jesus as their savior as children in their home state. But as we got to know them, we quickly realized that they were not experiencing the true freedom that Jesus had secured for them. Each of their stories is so heartbreaking. All of their lives are filled with so much pain and suffering. The death or abandonment of both parents. Horrific abuse at the hands of those who were charged to care for them. Abuse that was covered up and later blamed on them. And then there are all the lies that were heaped upon them, spoken over them and to them. You're just an orphan. Nobody cares about you. You'll never amount to anything. It's your fault you were abused. You're just a bunch of liars and manipulators. Just keep quiet and be happy that you have a place to say whatever you have is more than you deserve. These children are not unique. Hear me say this. These children are not unique in their pain and suffering. They know their lives could be indeed so much worse. There are millions, literally millions of children all around the world and even in this country who have similar or even worse stories of suffering and abuse. But I believe that God heard their cries for mercy and he sent us. Please understand that I am not in any way trying to paint the India that we love so much in a negative light. And we are certainly not trying to make ourselves into heroes. The reality is that these kids are still not free. They're still shackled by the lies that have been spoken over them and by the shame of their abuse. 
and by their own poor decisions that they made to cope with their circumstances. Their pain is so intense and their shame is so heavy that even two weeks ago, while we were visiting them, they couldn't even lift their heads to look me in the eyes when I spoke to them of the God who loves them and of their true worth and value in his eyes. It seems that they're so still too far, so far from being free. But with God, all things are possible, and I know that God sent us to Siligory for these five precious babies. I know that I love them with the love of God himself. My love for them is so intense, and it feels overwhelming sometimes. I know that they have heard the truth spoken over them from our lips, and they still hang their heads in shame, but they know that they are loved as if they are our own children. These kids know that God sent us to Siligory for them and that he sees them and he loves them. And even though they feel unwanted and unloved and unworthy, even though the enemy's lies constantly scream so loudly in their ears and minds, I know that God is setting them free. They're on a journey from slavery to freedom. And even though nothing has worked out the way I wanted it to for them, And even though their healing and freedom is taking so much longer than I ever dreamed it would, I know that God has given me so many promises for them and he has told me to trust him and so I am. And I believe that God is at work in their lives and I believe his promises and I know he is trustworthy and so I share their story with you to ask you to join me in praying for my Indian babies. Pray for their complete healing and for their freedom in Jesus. Praise God and thank him for his promises that he has given us and for these precious children. I ask you to use this sermon note guide to pray for them. Their picture is on it, their names are on it, and the promises that he has given us to pray for them are listed underneath. And so you can pray specifically for them. Please covenant with me to pray for them until we hear the victory stories of how God set them free. It's the hardest thing in the world to be here and to have them there. to love them. I just want them to be able to hear me say I love you and to hug them every day. All I can say is thank God for WhatsApp. I thought maybe I might need this as a way of like clearing myself up before we move on. I found this at a place at a Hobby Lobby Um, And I took a picture of it and I sent it to my kids because as I was preparing this message, Delaney came into the room and she said, I'm cool, but I cry a lot. My kids know me. (laughs) The second story I want to share with you is my own. Growing up, I did all the things that a lot of American kids do. I played every sport. I did dance. I did everything you could imagine. I played slow pitch and quickly advanced to fast pitch, and I went to basketball camps and softball camps. I played for a traveling softball team and traveled from coast to coast. 
uh, in tournaments, getting exposure in front of some of the nation's best coaches. I would go down in my basement every night after school, even after basketball practice, and throw five, 300 pitches into the plywood piece of strike zone that my dad made for me. It didn't matter what time of day or night it was, I was committed to making myself be the best. So I would, and then it wasn't just in athletics that I wanted to achieve and excel, it was also with my academics as well. I prided myself on my performance on the field and in the classroom, and a B, much less an A minus, was never acceptable in my eyes. My drive to achieve and perform was instilled at me in a young age, and it has been the driving force behind much of my life. And while it's had its benefits enabling me to achieve great heights, both academically and athletically, it wasn't without its costs. For me, it became an obsession. I desired and expected perfection in everything, and anything less was unacceptable. The phrase that pushed me during my childhood was, you did good, but. There was always a but. There was always a but because there was always room for improvement. I know that those words weren't used to hurt me, but those words later came to haunt me. They penetrated deep into my heart and mind, making me feel like I could never quite measure up. The words you did good, but didn't just compel me to perform on the field and in the classroom. To earn the approval of those around me, they took root in every aspect of my life. They took root to the core of my being even in my spiritual life. And Satan used those words, you did good, but, against me not just to convince me that I had to earn the approval of others, but also to convince me that I had to earn the approval of God, of my heavenly Father. So for decades, nearly all my life, I lived in slavery to the lie that my worth and value in God's eyes was directly related to my ability to achieve and perform to the lie that I had to earn the approval of the people around me and I had to earn the approval of God. And as long as I was finding my identity and my ability to achieve and perform, as long as I was consumed with the desire to earn the approval of the people around me, I was shackled, shackled to the lie that I was never enough. I was a perfectionist. I was consumed consumed by my own unrealistic expectations and devastated by my own perceived failures to measure up. I went to college at the top of my class academically and as one of the best pitchers in the state, but I didn't find myself in college. In fact, I found that I was a pretty average pitcher among the rest of the best in the nation. I also found that getting all A's didn't really set me apart in the world anymore. You know, it was never really a topic of conversation that I was a valedictorian of my high school. Imagine that. <laughs> Furthermore, my insecurity with my physical appearance led me to struggle with an eating disorder out of college for years. It wasn't until after college that I returned to God and to the church and began the journey to finding my true identity, worth, and value as a precious child of God, fearfully and wonderfully created by Him. It's been a long journey with many detours. God has used several people in my life to speak his truth over me, the truth that I didn't come to 
The truth is, is that I didn't come to the end of this devastating and even at times debilitating battle with perfectionism and seeking the approval of people and the bondage to the lies of the enemy until, well, just recently. That's how powerful the lies of the enemy and our culture can hold us into bondage. But I can say today with tremendous joy and tremendous peace that I am free. I am free. I have lived nearly my entire life feeling in my own mind like I was a failure, like I was never enough, constantly plagued with worries about what other people thought of me, desperately desiring their approval, not able to love myself, not able to fully receive God's grace for me and to believe that he could actually love me. For decades, I allowed myself to be shackled to these lies. By not standing firm in my freedom and in my true identity, I let Satan keep me in a cage believing so many lies about myself, about God, and about my relationship with him. You aren't good enough. You'll never be good enough. You have to earn the approval of others. You have to earn the approval of God. You'll never measure up. You're a failure. You'll never be free. Yet today, I'm free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not allow yourself to be yoked again by a burden of slavery. My journey from slavery to freedom started by acknowledging and renouncing the lies that I had built my life around. Jesus set me free, but I have to choose freedom daily. It's a battle. I have to stand firm in my freedom day by day. Min hour by hour, minute by minute, by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have to receive the truth of God about me and for me. Refusing to believe the lies that the enemy constantly, constantly whispers in my ears and replace those lies with the truth of my true identity. I am free today like I have never been free before. I feel stronger and more alive than I've ever felt before. I am walking in true peace and confidence. I have never felt more joyful in my entire life. I am able to rest in my true identity as a beloved child of God. I am finally able to resist the lies of the enemy and stand firm and I am never going back. I will never let myself be burdened again by that yoke of slavery. I am free, and God longs for that freedom for you, for all of us. Many people, perhaps all of us to varying degrees, are in slavery, albeit a subtle and even acceptable form of slavery in our world. We are in slavery to the lie that our performance and our productivity is what makes us valuable, is what determines our worth. That's where we find our identity. We have bought into the lie that we have to earn the approval of people, and that has spilled over into the lie that we have to earn the approval of God. And not only are we as adults and parents in bondage to lies, but the, these are the lies that we're training our own children to live in. 
Our identity and security and worth is oftentimes wrapped up in what we do and how well we do it. Many of us are workaholics, slaving away at our jobs to make ends meet, to give our families the best and most comfortable life possible. We can be so busy that we don't even have time to take a break, to rest, and just to be. And our kids are just as busy, or even more busy. School, an activity, and a sport for every season, traveling leagues, all weekend tournaments, camps, etc. Please, please hear me say this. This in and of itself, these things are not bad. Some of it is unavoidable, even mandatory for life, like our jobs. Activities and sports, they do great things for our kids, helping them discover their interests and talents, helping them develop as contributing members of society, and helping them learn teamwork, responsibility, and sportsmanship. But it's not in any of these things that we find our true identity, our true worth, our true value. That is where we have let Satan deceive us and hold us in bondage. We are afraid to slow down. Someone might take our place. We're scared of being mediocre. We might have to stand in someone else's shadow. We're terrified to fail. Someone might see and think less of us. We want to have the best. If we have the best, then we've made it. We want to be the best. We want to see our kids be the best, to excel and achieve, because to be the best means that we have succeeded in life. But we, when we find our identity in these things, which are good, we are not living the best life that God intended for us to live. We are oftentimes exhausted and insecure. We are trapped in a world of comparison and striving. And we are always striving for more, to be more, to have more. We're always comparing ourselves and even our own kids to other people. And we hear the message in our own minds, and we even speak the message out loud to ourselves and to our own children. You did good, but... And it doesn't have to just be in the words we speak. Everywhere around us we hear these messages. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be strong enough. You'll never be pretty enough. You'll never be smart enough. You'll never be perfect enough. You'll never be extraordinary enough. You'll never be successful enough. You'll never be enough. But that is a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's the slavery that we live in in this world. It's the subtle bondage that we all struggle with, yet there is freedom. In Jesus, you are free. Jesus is enough. And therefore, by the grace of God in Jesus, you are enough. Your identity, your worth, your value come from God and God alone. You have value simply because you're his. Your identity is a gift from God. 
Adults, I beg you, if you're not free, fight for your freedom. And fight for the freedom of your children and for your grandchildren and for your entire circle of influence. The subtle and acceptable slavery that our culture holds us in was never more apparent to me than when we moved out of it. It's true. It's true that every culture has its own issues and bondages. And I'm not here to discuss all of that, but rather I'm here to expose the lie that holds many of us in bondage. As we were preparing to leave America with our then 7, 11, 7, and 3-year-old children to move to India, we had to face and overcome the lie that we were somehow going to deprive or even damage our kids by denying them the opportunities afforded them by America. Specifically, we had people question us and even judge us with harsh words because we were willing to jeopardize our kids' abilities to be involved in sports and other activities. And whenever we return to the States, we always get a barrage of questions like, what are your kids going to do? What will they get involved in? You know she's a natural athlete. She should be doing such and such. The reality is that there were no opportunities for our kids to get involved in those kind of things where we lived in India. And thus our kids probably won't ever get recruited to play Division I ball. They might not graduate at the top of their class, but I can tell you that they do know how to navigate the world outside of the United States. And they're learning how to be obedient and to faithful disciples of Jesus. They hear us tell them who they are and whose they are all the time. They've heard us share our painful and messy stories about how God is helping us find our true identity in Jesus. Our children know that they belong to God and that he loves them more than anyone else in the world, even more than Tony and I. They know that no matter how good they are, they will never earn God's love. And they know no matter how bad they mess up, they'll never lose it. Trust me, we don't have parenting all figured out. But I do know that no matter how great or mediocre a scholar, athlete, or artist your child is, no matter how talented, successful, or wayward they are, what they need to know most is their true identity as a precious and beloved child of God. And it can all start by just having a conversation with them today. When everything else is stripped away, they need to know that God's love transcends all things. In Jesus, they are enough simply because he is enough. God made them and he adores them. The greatest gift we can give our children and anyone in our circle of influence is showing them what it looks like to walk in the freedom of our true identity in Jesus as precious children of God and helping them learn to live into their true identity as the same. In one of my favorite books entitled Unseen, the gift of being hidden in a world that loves to be noticed by Sarah Haggerty. She tells this story of one of her adopted babies. Her name is Hope. She says, I remember her first dance recital. Not long after she came home to us, she had practiced her routine in and out of class for an entire semester, and everyone in our own family knew the steps too. 
She'd spent weeks pirouetting through the kitchen with a dishcloth in her hand, performing with confidence on our living room hearth. But the night of the performance, I could feel her hand shaking in mine as I walked her down the hall to her lineup. I hurried back to my seat in the auditorium as she waited for her group to be called, and I was nervous for her. I so wanted this night to be a win. When she danced out onto the stage among 12 other girls, I, like all the other parents, narrowed my focus in on just my child. But several beats into the routine, I widened my scope and I realized that my tiny dancer was out of step. First one step, then two, then three, and then four. The other children moved in synchronized motion while my beautiful daughter carefully performed her routine, too focused on her steps to realize how far behind she was, too inexperienced to skip a few steps just to catch up. And for seven minutes, I looked beyond her slippered feet, beyond her out-of-sync arms, moving in one direction while her classmates moved in the other, and fixed my eyes on her story. Alongside the others, my daughter may have been out of step, but she was also stunning. Light cascaded out of her with every twirl. She had come through the fire of loss and death and hardened dreams, and tonight she was dancing. From my seat, I could see her counting steps, her expression serious and focused, but her eyes were alert and glistened under the stage lights, not dull and weighted like they were when we'd first met her. She wasn't posing as someone she'd learned to mimic. She wasn't dancing to impress others. She had stopped, if she'd stopped to notice others, she probably would have frozen in panic. Instead, she was costumed in God. He was making a dancer out of a street kid. This child was learning to be loved by God. His real love was welling up within her. And after the recital, her daddy and brother showered her with flowers and they chatted the entire way home. This child who had grown up a street smart survivor had been called mischievous by, an orf by orphanage worker, workers was becoming a glowing ballerina that night. I didn't show her the recording afterward because it might have told her a different story than the story that she lived that night. Our human eyes can betray us. Even I, her mother, didn't see the whole of her that night. The God who formed her is the only one who saw it all. To her teacher, my tiny dancer was the one out of step. To the parents sitting in the front row in the front of me, she was one of the two dark-skinned girls on the stage. To the girls dancing next to her being primed for a future in the ballet, she wasn't good enough yet to be on stage. To me, she was being restored. To her father, she was a doe-eyed princess. But to the one who made her, she was enough. She was more than enough. She was art. She was fire and wonder, marvelous and worth the blood he spilled for her. She was his. This little girl, like all of us, live in a world that might label her one way, but she's beginning to tune her ear to the one who tells her who he sees and who she truly is. She's destined for greatness, destined to revel in the truth that she is seen by God even when no one else is looking, destined to know the voice of the one who created her and calls her his beloved daughter. 
destined to dance in the freedom of who she is simply because she belongs to him. May you too find the same freedom, true freedom, to revel in the reality of your true identity as a precious child of God. And may you help your children and those in your circle of influence to experience the same freedom. I invite you today to choose freedom, to begin to stand firm in the freedom that Jesus has secured for you, that you will not let yourself be burdened anymore by any yoke of slavery. Choose freedom today and every day. If you cannot say with the utmost confidence that nothing else matters or defines you better than who you are as a precious child of God, then I pray today that you will determine to stand up and to stand firm in the reality of who you are and in your true identity. As I close today, I'd like to invite you to stand if you're willing and to read this declaration with me today as a proclamation of who you are and of just a declaration that you're enough. So if you're willing to stand, if this is something you want to do, just please stand with me and let's read this aloud together as I close. I am a precious and beloved child of God. I am loved, adopted, accepted, and approved of simply because I am his. I cannot earn God's love no matter how hard I try. And no matter how badly I mess up, I can never lose his love. In Christ, I am a new creation. I am redeemed, restored, and being transformed. In Christ, I am enough because he is enough. I am enough simply because I am his. Amen.